Hey guys and girls, welcome to another episode of The Finnovator. And again, I'm going to go short form on this one. Uh, and today's a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a rant, but it's definitely sort of a bit of a confessional. It's also a bit of a sharing of what I've learned about uh, the danger of asking the wrong questions when it comes to technology. And I think right now, more so than ever before, I think fintech has come to the fore. I think most people out there in advice businesses are now realizing the important role that having the right technology can play and, and the danger of having the wrong technology. But there's also one mistake I wanted to talk about in this little sort of piece and the story, which I think if you understand that up front, is going to make it a lot easier on you along the way. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode of The Finnovator, the, the one tech mistake you don't want to make. So it was about three years ago, and I was speaking at an event down in Melbourne. Uh, it was at the Sofitel in Melbourne. If you've been to the Sofitel, it's one of my favorite hotels in Melbourne. Uh, there's a room in there. It's got this great autist, uh, autistic, orchist, autistics, let's get that word out there. And it was a panel session. I was set on the panel, and we were talking about technology. And panel sessions are interesting, right? You get, uh, you get questions fired at you. You probably speak for about five or ten minutes. And you really want to sort of share as much as you can, but yeah, it's kind of like a TED talk, but not as glamorous. And I was being asked about sort of technology and apps and all this sort of thing. And one of the ladies at the back of the room, she sort of uh, asked the question and it was respectful, but she turned around and her point was very clear. It was like technology, she said, is separating us. She was making a point that, you know, people rely on technology too much. They send an email instead of having a conversation. They send a text instead of, you know, uh, sending a letter, all of that sort of stuff. And she spoke quite passionately, but again, respectfully about it. And as I listened, I took it on board. And I realized that in many ways, she's right. I, you know, I've got two young kids, three and six. And I am so painfully aware of the fact that when it comes to screens or technology and all that sort of stuff, you know, Steve Jobs wouldn't let his kids have iPads. And that, that, there's, there's a lesson in that. Not to mention, when you read enough about from books like Hooked by Alan Neer, which talks about the dopamine impact of, of technology and what they're aiming for, you realize that there's, there's a dark side of this stuff. So I wanted to take a moment and I wanted to take a deep breath. And as I answered, I sort of told her that there are many things that tech is used for which are you know, bad, they're negative. But on the flip side, when I came to Australia when I was a young kid, uh, whenever we wanted to phone back to uh, my dad's family, uh, my family or my mum's family in Ireland, we would get on the phone and it was literally $5 a minute was the cost. So it'd be a quick, hey, love you, happy Christmas, next one's around and boom, we'd be out of there as quickly as possible because we didn't have hundreds of bucks to spend on a phone call. And I think now, you know, my uh, father, my kid's grandfather can get on uh, a Skype call or a Zoom call and they can have an extended conversation with their grandkids and see each other in real time and it costs nothing. Uh, my father can read Hermione a, less, a story, which he did just a couple of weeks ago. And have that relationship from, you know, 18, 13,000 miles away in ways that uh, his parents and my grandfather could never do. The lesson from this, I think, for me is technology is not is like anything else in, in life. You know, it has positives if used well and it has negatives if used poorly. And ultimately, a lot of how we use it, some of it comes down to discipline and a bunch of other things, which is why I think it's important to keep kids sort of focused and, and, and teach them what's good and what's not bad. But it... it sort of makes me think a lot about advice businesses as well. Because as you'd imagine, technology is a big part of what I do. I've, I've got this background in tech startups I, and it was, it was something that launched a, a sort of new direction for me as a consultant. I wrote a book about it, Finnovation. 
But at the same time, I realized recently when I was uh, reading a few articles and, and hearing about a couple of talks that people have made, that sometimes starting with technology is a, is, a, is a bad idea. And by the way, this isn't a crack at anyone and other consultants who are you know, putting out things that say, here are 10 apps that advisors should look at or here are the best, you know, the best graphic design things. And in truth, I need to put up my hand and say that I, that's how I got started. Um, way back when I first started our dairy and I, I separated from the consulting group that I was part of, um, I wanted to get on stage. I wanted to be in front of people and, and get it out there. And, and when I would approach people who were running events like Advisor Innovation or, or Business Strategy Day and I gave them a list of things I could talk about, you know, one of the things I'd put on there was I could come up and talk about the apps that advisors should be looking at. And at the time, you know, I was... I was spending a lot of time looking at apps and trialing things and you know, being on Product Hunt a lot. And so I could usually talk about things that people didn't know about and they loved it. I mean, who wouldn't love understanding all of these apps you didn't know existed that could potentially make it easier to do things? And it's still, it's still a part of what I do, but I don't give talks about the 10 apps anymore and I don't do it for a good reason. And I don't do it for the reason because I've seen in the past that when you put a list of apps in front of somebody, they're kind of fulfilled or filled with these, my God, they're awesome, how can I use them? In other words, they get into a bit of a feature frenzy. Memorably, I had this conversation with Ben Marsham. If you're listening, Ben, big up to you, man. Uh, where Ben and I spoke together in 2018 at an FPA uh, event where we did a session called Taming Your Technology, one of my favorite uh, sessions. I still get feedback. Just last week, I got some feedback on LinkedIn from someone on it. Uh, and Ben had put together this amazingly comprehensive guide the year before about all the literally the ecosystem of uh of apps within australia and i think michael kitts has done a similar thing and these are great resources like if you want to know what's out there and you want to know whether you've missed anything or whether there's new players this i mean it was a great resource but one of the problems it it had is when you give people a list of 200 apps if you give advisors here's 200 things you could or should or might want to look at in your business and you don't tell them where it fits it can cause real problems if you want to see an example of how this can be done well, uh, the platform I use for managing our members' site and our website for that matter is a tool called Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. If you were to go to the website and you were to look, find out a bit about the product, the first thing you'll notice is they're not starting off by selling the features. What they sell is what it will do, how it will help you to build and launch and, and, and sell an online business. And it's very, very deliberate. In the background, when you sign up, there are, there's a whole training courses which teach you how to, how to set up courses and how to structure them and how to market online. Uh, in actual fact, they've got uh, joint ventures with a number of really well-known coaches to help them provide that content and they even provide templates. Their focus is on the business side of things. And doing that, they can help people to slot the technology in behind the way it's supposed to be. You with me? Now, again, I'm not trying to criticize providers, but if I look at the financial services industry and I look at many of the tools that are out there, Many of the time, they're not, sharing. they're not sharing how to run their business. They're not even stating one way or another. Maybe it's because they're worried that if they state that this, this tool is built for people who want to do it like this and not people who want to do it like this, they're cutting off their market and they might be right. One of the common problems with many advice uh, tools, without naming names, is they're not built for advisors. They're, built, they're not built for the end user. They're built for the licensees who pay the bill, which is one of the problems with having someone else pay for your software. It means you get whatever they've paid for, not instead of what you need. The point I'm trying to make here, uh, and hopefully you're getting it, which is if I give you a list of tools and things you could use, but you don't know how they fit into your business, then that's going to be more confusing and more damaging 
than not having these things at all. Once you work out that you're going to do audio file noting and you've worked out how it's going to happen, how the team is going to back it up, once you've realized that your process for building uh, your review documents looks like this and one of the opportunities there is to plug in Otter or Rev or Dragon Dictation, that makes sense. But without the process, without the methodology by which your team, are, you know, the, the structure of your file note and how your team's going to grab it and what they're going to do next, it's just another tool. The same is true of uh, once you've understood how you're going to build this review document and there's a template and you know what to do, plugging Grammarly to make sure that you don't get those grammatical errors or those uh, misspellings, that makes total sense. But Grammarly on its own, where does it fit? Canva is another one. A lot of people love it. But if you don't even know how to produce the, the tools you're going to use, you don't know how to do the brochure, you don't know how to structure the value proposition, Canva's not going to make it. Well, Canva's probably going to confuse it. One of the best bits of advice I was given a while ago was rather than sit down and try and build a template or a brochure or a website or anything by jumping up and opening a tech tool, sketch it out. In my case, I use the iPad Pro with a pencil. Uh, but you could use paper. The difference is it means that there's no tool in the way of my creativity. There's no tool in me, me in the way of drawing what I want. I don't have to be a good graphic designer. I can hand it over to someone else and say, build this. The event I ran at the FPA that day was called Taming Your Tech and it was about mapping out what technology you're using what technology you may be doubling up on and what your gaps are before you go out and look for things. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's continued to be one of those sessions that people came back uh, and talk about. They still want to talk about. Uh, I've got, I think, at least three or four people on the program right now who were at that session. Uh, and as a result, we ended up working together. It was hugely powerful. The point I want to make is if we were to sit down and plan out your business, before you add the people or you, before you add the whole-scale technology, the first stage before that is you'd want to know how it's supposed to run. You'd want the structure. How's my first appointment meant to work? How's my review process? How's my communication? Because once you understand how it's going to work, or you've got that in your head, then you can start to look at technology. If you do it the other way around, you're causing more problems for yourself than ever. I know that uh, the idea of having a new app can be sexy. And if you ask Jen in our business, she'll tell you. I probably tinker with more apps than I should. But I've learned kind of the hard way that I need to play with apps in a sandbox. I need to play with them but not bring them anywhere near my business until I'm super, super clear that it's going to do one of three things. It's either going to make what we're currently doing better, it's going to make delivering easier, or it's going to improve the speed, make it faster. Beyond that, it doesn't get through. The end to this all is if you're out there and you're hearing consultants or you're reading articles which talk about the apps, it is useful. It's good to know these things. And I think to those who are out there sharing it, congratulations. I think keep, keep doing it because it's useful. But at the same time, make sure you don't fall into the, ga the, the, the mistake of thinking that technology will solve your problems. I want to leave you with Bill Gates' words. Whatever you think of Bill, he's a pretty smart dude. And as he once said, People or technology when added to a already inefficient process will, make, will magnify the inefficiency. But when you add people or technology to an efficient process, it magnifies the efficiency. If you've got an efficient process, you know what it's supposed to look like and it's working well. Adding technology could be the thing that cuts your time in half, enables you to work with more clients, frees up your time and a whole bunch more. But if not, you're just going out there and picking things because you think you need something or, or you know, it sounds good. The danger is you end up frankly, in an even worse situation, more inefficient than you were before. Tech is awesome. But as I hopefully respectfully told the lady in the crowd, not all tech is equal. Some tech is good and some tech is bad. 
Thank you so much, listeners. I hope you enjoyed that uh, short and sweet version of The Finnovator. Uh, if you like the format, let me know. Uh, I'm just going to spruce things up and pop a few of our usual, uh, usual interview-style things with something like this. As always, uh, I want to thank you very much for, for listening. If you are loving this, if you want to help me to get the word out, then leaving a review is by far the best way to do it. You can do that just by popping over to, uh, I know iTunes will do it, but then you need to log in, I believe. Uh, but if you're a Spotify listener or a Podbean or some other uh, heart radio, you can do it there as well. Any feedback or input that lets people know what you like it, particularly written feedback, is really useful. Uh, as always, if you'd like to chat to me about your business, uh, please let me know. Drop me an email. Other than that, thanks again for being a listener. hope you have a great week and I'll speak to you soon.